You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Georgia was one of the first states in the country to partially reopen, but Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is telling her constituents to stay home. In this segment, you'll hear from Mayor Bottoms as she talks about 3-2. In this segment, you'll hear from Mayor Bottoms as she talks about what she's doing to stop the spread. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Bob Costa, a national political reporter at The Washington Post, like many of you working from my bureau at home. And I thank you for joining us for Washington Post Live as we continue our Leadership During Crisis series about the response to the pandemic nationwide. And this afternoon, I will speak with two mayors of major American cities, New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell, who will be joining us in a few minutes, and Atlanta's mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Both are Democrats. And Mayor Bottoms, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Mayor, what is the reality in Atlanta right now in terms of cases and in terms of challenges? Well, the reality is this. Um, Our numbers are continuing to rise. So as of 12 noon today, in the state of Georgia, we had 24,551 people testing positive. That's up 23.49% from this time last week. And up 27.66% is our death rate with 1,020 people having died from COVID-19. So the challenge is that we are lifting our foot off of the pedal and we are not out of the woods. It concerns me when I look at states that are trending in the right direction, like New York and you see uh, Washington state was able to make a tremendous amount of progress. It was because they were diligent and continuing to socially distance. But in Georgia, we are going in the opposite direction. And that's a huge challenge. Mayor Bottoms, when you talk about Georgia going in the opposite direction, what are you actually seeing in Atlanta in terms of people not listening to orders, not listening to social distancing guidelines? Well, I think there are a couple of things at play. I think some people are just tired of being in the house and want to get out and have a different set of scenery, and they want to go back to life as normal, getting their nails done and getting their hair cut, et cetera. And then there are others who are making this very tough economic decision. Do they stay at home and continue to wait this out in the way that they know is responsible and can preserve their health? Or do they go back to work because they don't have stimulus money or small loan money in their pockets yet? And it's a, it's a very difficult dynamic that people are having to choose from. Um, I understand people who are dealing with whether or not I, I go to work to put food on my table. I don't understand people who are going to a movie theater and a bowling alley because they are bored. But they're, they're going, as you've said. And Governor Brian Kemp, a Republican, has allowed those kind of uh, businesses to reopen at certain levels in your state. So you have to deal with the consequences of that. Is Atlanta prepared for a possible surge in cases in the coming weeks? So I can tell you, I was very disturbed this morning. I have an advisory task force that's composed of health professionals and also of uh, business leaders throughout our city to advise the city on what our next step should be as a city. Um, Part of that task force is the head of Grady Hospital, which is our, our major trauma center in the Southeast. And 
our major hospital in Atlanta. He said they have had the highest number of people over the just the last three days coming into the hospital. So to hear that statistic, on top of the fact that we are uh, relieving restrictions, is of grave concern. We do have hospital space in Atlanta. We do have bed capacity. We just opened up an expansion of a hospital wing with a, around 120 beds. We have 200 beds at our World Congress Center. But the notion that we are relieving restrictions so that people will have a bed if they get sick when they go bowling uh, really defies logic and it defies the recommendations of health experts across this country. We have a question from one of our readers at the Washington Post. We have readers nationwide. Catherine Little from Georgia wonders, what's your next move? What are your options and powers in terms of being mayor to counter Governor Kemp? You know, my options and powers are limited in terms of what I can do as mayor in terms of actions that I can take, um, because he is the governor of our state and he has the authority to issue orders on behalf of the state. Uh, but I also have the authority to continue to use my voice. And it's the reason that I'm sitting here speaking with you this afternoon, just encouraging people to please stay home, but also as a city taking actions to make it easier for people who at least live in Atlanta to stay at home. Uh, we have a small business loan fund that was launched before the federal government launched its program also through the partnership of people like Goldman Sachs, $10 million has been added to that fund. We started a beauty and barbershop relief fund so that we can put a little money in the in pockets of people who work in that industry. We have a creative industry fund that we are also giving out grants through that fund and senior meal delivery programs, taking food to the doors of seniors. We've expanded that program through partnerships with Meals on Wheels and Gooder and other organizations and giving food to our students um, who participate in our after school program. So we're continuing to do what we can to stand in the gap with the limited resources that we have. Um, but most importantly, we're just going to continue to advocate on behalf of, of people across the state as the capital city and just remind people that the scientists and the professionals are saying it's too soon. Do you have communication at all with Governor Kemp? I lead the governor's task force for the homeless um, and displaced as a part of our COVID-19 efforts in the state. So I did participate last week with the governor on a video conference related to some updates um, regarding that task force. We did not specifically talk about his stay-at-home order. Um, I, I did get word from his office from um, that we would be talking um, over the next several days. We have not spoken yet. So you have not, the governor has not called the mayor of Atlanta, the governor of Georgia, not calling the mayor of Atlanta, of Atlanta every day. You know, I want to be clear about this. I, I respect that he is the governor and he has a lot of decisions that he's making, a lot of constituencies um, that he has to answer to. So, but on this, of something of this magnitude, I do think it would have been important, not just as me as mayor of Atlanta, but our, gov our mayors across the state, the mayor of Albany, Georgia, um, who's having a per capita outbreak that likens what we saw in New York City, the mayor of Augusta, Georgia, our second largest city, Savannah, Georgia, go down the list. 
nobody has spoken with the governor about this from any of our larger uh, larger cities. That is of concern to me because we obviously are responsible for our respective communities, and the governor often speaks of deferring to local control. So it it has been a bit perplexing to us that um, he didn't defer to local control and input on this issue. Here in Washington, we were covering President Trump yesterday in the Rose Garden, touting his administration's efforts on testing. What is the testing situation in Atlanta? So testing has been expanded in Atlanta. Um, in, in fact, my brother just went for a, a test today. He was having some concerns about his breathing. So it is easier to get tested. There is more testing happening. But we aren't doing contact tracing, and there's so many other layers, as you know, to this. Testing is one part of it, um, but there's still so many other things that we need to do to really have a holistic approach to addressing um, what happens when people are, are positive in our communities. And I'll, I'll just give the example of this. I have a, a good friend who tested positive the second week in March. And she is still testing positive, although she um, her fever broke after several weeks. And the only reason she's been tested again is because her husband has some underlying health conditions. And so I share this because there's so much we don't know about this virus. So we've talked a lot about people being asymptomatic before they test positive. But then there obviously are people who are asymptomatic after they test positive. And that's why the contact tracing portion of this and and testing for communities, um, community-wide testing is so important. Is there a racial disparity in terms of access to testing in Atlanta? Well, uh, some of our test sites are in um, some of our, our primarily African-American communities. So those test sites have opened up in the last few days, but I can tell you this, there's racial disparity in terms of how this virus is impacting our, our state as a whole. Um, there was a, a great story today in the Washington Post that talked about uh, Georgia being 30% African-American, yet our uh, mortality rate related to COVID-19 is at 50%. And so as we're seeing nationwide, this virus, uh, you know, it's it's discriminating in so many ways against people of color because people are being infected across uh, racial lines, but people are dying at a much higher rate in our state and across this country, um, people of color with underlying health conditions. And you yourself and your family have dealt with racism because of your response to this pandemic. What's your message to those who have turn to racist ideas amid all this? I won't be silent. Um, I, I, I was not elected mayor to be a coward, and I, I won't be silent about this. I do think there's something larger at play. I know of someone else who's gotten um, not as, an in, uh, as inflammatory as the message that I received, but um, a message attempting to inflame some racial sensitivities. And again, this transcends race, it transcends gender, it transcends economic lines, um, party lines. There are people across this country who are being impacted. Um, so, you know, the, 
but the facts are the facts and the data is the data. It is impacting communities of African-American communities at a higher rate. And Atlanta has a very diverse population with many of the underlying conditions that we've talked about, asthma, diabetes, high blood pressure. Those are conditions that are prevalent in the city. So I will not let a, a cowardly text um, frighten me or silence me. This is a story, Mayor, as you know, about health, about race, about community. It's also about the economy. And what's your plan for dealing with the homelessness now in Atlanta and the homelessness that's sure to come as the economy struggles in the coming months? Well, you know, there, there, it's twofold. We have our existing homeless population, which on a normal day um, is a challenge to address some of those underlying needs. But also we are concerned about people who may become homeless and displaced because of this virus. So again, what we've been able to do, um, at, at, you know, leadership, not just from me, but across our team, is to be very thoughtful and anticipating the needs of people in our communities. So we said very early on that we would not disconnect water service. We suspended uh, towing and ticketing in the public right away. Uh, we have also asked our partners who offer offer financial assistance, whether it's through housing vouchers or through um, financing for construction financing, we've asked them to stay evictions. So we've taken those steps, um, but also just calling upon our private landowners to have some compassion. Uh, we aren't like many other states where we have rent control in our city and in our state, but certainly, you know, we we have goodwill in the state and in the city, and we've just called on people to please not evict people during this time. Mayor, we only have a minute left. Uh, as a political reporter, Congressman Jim Clyburn from South Carolina, as you know, has mentioned you as, quote, a tremendous VP candidate. And so I wonder, has the Biden campaign or a top Democrat reached out to you about that position and being vetted for the position? You know, anytime you have someone um, with the statue of Congressman Clyburn mentioning your name, then it's an honor. So I'm honored to be a part of the conversation, but I have more than I can say grace over right now leading our city in the midst of this pandemic. But what I've said repeatedly is I want Vice President Biden to put on that ticket the person who will best help him beat Donald Trump in November of 2020. And you'd be open to being considered? I mean, it's a, it would be an honor to be a part of the conversation, but it's certainly not where my focus is. Understood. The focus is the pandemic. And, Mayor, I'll let you get back to that. I appreciate your time as you deal with these difficult issues. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.